0: You're listening to the Big House
1: Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and I am here with Matt Hartwell. Matt, what's up, man? You having a good weekend? I'm
0: having a great weekend, man. It's uh, been very chill laid back for me. Uh, most people that know me know I'm like a super workaholic business owner. So I'm like always going, going, going. So uh, this weekend, it's just been nice, man. Me and the wife have just been hanging out, uh, watching some TV, just really abandoning all responsibilities. So it's uh, been good. How about you, my friend?
1: Man, I just you know made some pancakes for Mother's Day. Uh, I got my my wife and daughter with me, so we made made a little Mother's Day breakfast, which was cool. Um, I'm the same way, man. I'm always working on something, either Michigan related or my other job related or one of my other crazy hairbrained ideas that I'm always going on. And um, it, it was nice to just focus on my family, have a nice little breakfast, and then and then log on to the Big House Bleachers podcast and. Uh, chop it up about Michigan sports with my buddy. So let's jump right in. Um, Let's lead with a little controversy because controversy is always fun. Um, But for anybody that's waiting around, we are going to get to our preseason top 10. But we went ahead and amended that to our preseason top 12 in the spirit of the college football playoff that we'll be seeing in a couple years. So you and I are both going to reveal our way too early predictions of college football top 12, but let's get right into the controversy. Hunter Dickinson, who recently transferred from Michigan to Kansas, pretty much the highest profile basketball transfer that I can remember, uh, maybe ever, definitely from Michigan. Um, he made a comment, and correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't really do a lot of research on this, but he made a comment that, that he made less than six figures at Michigan last season through his NIL uh, call it deals or initiatives and um, rumor has it that he's going to make multiple millions with Kansas. And so uh, what, you know, what's the deal, right? Like what, it, what is the deal with that discrepancy? I have a theory, but first I want to hear your take on uh, what's going on there.
0: Yeah, and you know, I've been outspoken from the very beginning, Mike, about like my uh support for Michigan's approach to uh to the NIL initiatives right now. I mean, mainly within the football team, I think, is is where my support has mainly stemmed from. But to hear that uh that Michigan's best player on the basketball court, um, I think uh I, I can't I didn't listen to the actual podcast, uh but what From what I understand, uh, he divulged that he made less than six figures, I think between like sixty and $80,000 last year, which uh, really doesn't I, – I don't know if that's a reflection of the performance overall of the basketball team, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know if it's a reflection of, of Hunter's value himself in terms of NIL at the University of Michigan. But either way – you don't want your best player on the basketball team uh, making that kind of money and having the accessibility to go elsewhere and and find what he's finding in other programs. At least it has to be a little bit closer. Uh, like I said, I've been really outspoken about my support for, for the way that football approaches it, but I don't know if that's going to reflect the same way with the basketball program, if uh, if the basketball program can't maintain the kind of success that the football program is having, it's almost kind of like a catch-22, you know what I mean? If Michigan football was doing poorly on the football field, this approach to NIL that they're currently having probably wouldn't be as effective. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Well, yeah, you know... I- to, to me, there's a couple of things going on. Um, I think you bring up a really good point where it's like the success of the team. It's a little tougher to get uh, fans and and people excited about Michigan, Michigan merchandise, Michigan products, name, Im- image, and likeness deals. Uh, it's tougher when there's less buzz around the program. And when the team looks like they're heading to the NIT tournament three quarters of the way through the year, it gets a little tougher to make money. So I, that that's a really good point. Um, you know, what I think is actually happening, happening was Hunter Dickinson was in this weird one to two year time span that some guys were in where he was fully eligible and able to take advantage of NIL, but you have to think back to when Hunter Dickinson committed to Michigan, uh, NIL was not yet legal. Right. And so he's in this weird, uh, this weird place of, of this, like, one or two classes of guys that were like not thinking about NIL not positioning themselves to make money when they were uh recruits and freshmen then the name image and likeness rule became uh, uh legal and they're scrambling trying to find ways to make money the universities are trying to catch up we know Michigan has quite uh famously or infamously uh tr- tried to scramble and put the pieces of the NIL situation together and I think Hunter Dickinson's one of those guys that just got lost in the mix because Michigan is making moves. I mean, just this week, almost simultaneously, the news came out that uh, Michigan hired a strategic advisor, Charles Scrace, who is a UM graduate who spent 15 years at Google uh, to boost NIL efforts. And so Michigan absolutely is not uh, dragging their feet. They might be a little bit behind compared to some of these larger programs, but I have faith in Michigan. Uh, they're the leaders and the best for a reason. It's a great, a great institution, a great university, and a great athletic department. Uh, I just think that Hunter Dickinson maybe got overlooked. I know overlooked is a strong word, but a lot of the attention has been on new guys bringing guys in. Hunter Dickinson was already on the team. That he might have had a couple NIL opportunities where Kansas was like, Kansas was like, let's throw the book at this guy and get him over here. So. I think it's just a a situational thing, man. How do you feel about that?
0: I'd I'd actually be inclined to agree with you, man. You know, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of just a, a shitty purgatory type situation, I think, for Dickinson, where, uh, you know, he's just coming in at the dawn of this thing. Michigan has this, like, moral type of compass that they're trying to follow with it, you know, and that's not exactly, uh not exactly helping the situation and it's only kind of convoluting the whole uh nil situation in terms of the basketball team and and how they've been performing but i don't know man it's uh i i do like the move to to hire the analyst or the advisor sorry about that uh to assist i think that that's gonna bring it along leaps and bounds and then obviously there's this new nil initiative uh champion what do, you, do you know the name of it that was just released either this week or last week? There is a new NIL initiative coming down the pipe that's supposed to help supplement uh, more than just football in terms of multiple athletic uh, athletic sports and things like that. So hopefully that starts to uh, kind of get the juices to flow a little bit more. But I don't know, man. You, I think you're right. Dickinson just kind of falling victim to uh, a shitty period of time in NIL for Michigan basketball.
1: Well, and, and you know, Michigan's approach is that uh, they don't leave it entirely on the players. They give the players opportunities, but Michigan's approach is that these guys have the opportunity to make money after they're uh, already with the program, where, yeah, Kansas might just ha- hand out uh, uh, bags to players for them to come over, but you look at a guy like Blake Corum who I believe is this basically the same class as Hunter, right? Probably don't fact check me on this, but I'm assuming he, he committed within, within 12 months of the same time that Hunter committed, um, Blake Corum's getting paid. Like I guarantee you Blake Corum's getting paid. And I think a lot of that has to do with Blake Corum, right? Granted the football program's bigger. Um, but this is like the face of the football team versus the face of the basketball team. I think Coram's out there making moves for himself in addition to the opportunities that Michigan is making. Um, and I think Hunter Dickinson was dragging his feet and talking shit on podcasts and not really doing a lot while while Coram's out there building his brand. Um, that might be a little bit of bitterness for me because Corum is still with us and, and Hunter Dickinson transferred. So that might be me taking a little backhanded shot at our our guy Dickinson. But uh you got to get your own money man like you got to take take ownership of your own brand and go get your own money which you could say Hunter Dickinson is doing just that he took a he he took the opportunity that was presented to him so no hard feelings uh he'll, he'll get paid which is good and i believe that the guys that come to Michigan uh will also get paid which is good
0: Ultimately i think you just got to put you gotta work together with your teammates to put a better product on the floor, man. If you're the that dude on the Michigan basketball team that's supposed to be that dude and is supposed to be as good as you are, the effects gotta pay off on the basketball court if you wanna make a bag. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, Michigan missed <laughs> missed the tournament. They didn't do well. Um and you know, Dickinson is is uh partly looked at for some of that at the end of the day you're the team's leading guy despite the fact if uh, you're a shitty team sometimes in college basketball if you've got a good leading guy the effects are supposed to pay off and those effects just haven't paid off so best of luck to hunter at his uh new venture making lots of money with kansas but i think you're right man you know it's uh it ultimately
1: just comes down to a lot of other things so moving on, uh, on Twitter this week, I, I retweeted or quote tweeted a little thing that it basically said, if you could add any player in history from your school to the current roster, <clears throat> who would it be? And, you know, I, I said what I thought was a very obvious answer, which was Braylon Edwards, because to me, the receiver position is like no no disrespect to Roman. Cornelius, you know, these guys, Peyton O'Leary that might be stepping up, some of these young guys. But to me, if you put Braylon Edwards on this roster, this team's unstoppable. I like I said, Gus Johnson would lose his damn voice every single week from calling touchdown Michigan over and over and over and over again. Because JJ to Braylon would be unstoppable with all of the other pieces of the puzzle that we have in place. Now I got uh, this backlash from the Michigan fan base, which was like, you know, how can you not say Charles Woodson? Obviously we, you know, Will Johnson across from Charles Woodson. It's like, well, yeah, guys, you're not, I mean, obviously like as Michigan fans, Charles Woodson is the answer to every question. If you ask me like, what is the meaning of life? I'm going to tell you Charles Woodson, right? And I mean that from the deepest part of my soul. So don't come at me like I don't know the value of Charles Woodson. Get out of here. What I was doing was not taking the easy way out. I was being a little bit more creative and saying adding a a guy like Braylon Edwards would be a legit addition to this team. Uh, Would Charles Woodson perhaps be better? Yeah, maybe. But, you know, like, come on. We all know Charles Woodson is that dude. So, Matt, I kind of just ranted uh, my way through this segment, but Um, let me just ask you, because I know you're on the fence. I've seen you go both ways. Would it be Braylon? Would it be Woodson? Would it be maybe somebody else? Like if you could add any guy to this Michigan roster, who would it be and why?
0: Well, I do uh, see your point as well, Mike. You know, there's, uh, there's two ways to look at it, right? There's one, which is I want to add Charles Woodson to this team because he's looked at as, uh the best most iconic player in Michigan history you know what I mean and then there's another side of the coin where I want to add Charles Woodson because I want to fill a need which is probably where I would go with it just because and it's really like no uh real preference or bias between like Braylon or Charles Woodson even at all it's really just that I worry aside from this whole exercise in general, Michigan's I worry about Michigan's ability to uh to fill that that second starting cornerback role, uh, just because you know it can be it can be devastating to have this good of a team going into the season and not be able to fill such an important role where you can get exploited. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how good of a team that you have. If you can't get good coverage on on teams that have two two or three elite receivers, then uh you're gonna be in trouble. So really like I think that uh that Braylon, uh Desmond, you know, plenty of great offensive playmakers could uh really add like a level of of eliteness to this offense that we've never even seen before. I mean, that could you even imagine that would just be ridiculous any person's uh, hands that that ball ended up in on offense. I mean, it's a touchdown, any, every single play. So, uh, I mean, it's difficult to say no Braylon, but, I mean, I just need to fill the need with, uh, with Woodson.
1: So before we move on from the, the land of make-believe that we're in right now, um, let's say Desmond Howard, Charles Woodson, and Braylon Edwards are off the table. And you have to add one guy from Michigan's history to this team. Who is it?
0: It's just going to be Hassan Haskins just because I I just love him.
1: <laughs> Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum, and Hassan Haskins all on the same team. Back I just would bring back peak it.
0: Hassan Haskins yeah. and just give it to Hassan, Corum, and... Uh, and Edwards just three times in a row, like all of them in their prime. I mean, who's stopping that? You know what I mean? Who, which one of them is not gaining 10 yards on every single run? So if I'm just going straight fanboy with it, I'm going with a triumvirate of uh, Hassan Haskins, Donovan Edwards, Blake Corham.
1: It'd be fucking ridiculous. I owe you a public apology, by the way, from last episode. Triumvirate is a word it absolutely is a word i think you might have thrown an n in there last week and said triumvirate but i'm gonna i'm gonna let you slide there i looked it up it absolutely is a word uh if i'm throwing anybody on this team and woodson howard and braylon are off the table i'm gonna get my guy shoelace in there and i but i'm not gonna play him at quarterback obviously because jj is gonna be the quarterback i would play him at this like uh Debo Samuel position that we were promised AJ Henning would would be in, you know, this receiver, running back kind of, you know, it's whatever, scat back, put him all over the field. Uh, cause how can you not get a guy like Shoelace on the field? I mean, that dude is just just lightning. Um, all right, let's move on. We could sit around and fan out over uh hypotheticals all day. But let's move on to what's actually another hypothetical technically. Let, let's look at uh maybe some way too early preseason rankings for college football i think now is the time basketball season's wrapping up we're in the nba playoffs it's it's time to really start looking at um who do we think is going to co- come into the season and be the you know the best teams in college football uh i i went ahead and ranked mine as uh rankings not not who do I believe is going to be in this position at the end of the year, but more more along the lines of this is what I believe the preseason rankings should be. Um, and so there's a slight distinction there, right? Like I might think that a team is going to win their conference and sneak into the playoffs, but I might not consider that team the highest ranked team in their conference currently. So it's like it's a little different. Um, let me go ahead and pass the mic to you first. Let let me hear your top five, and let's, let's see how, how it differs from my top five, and then we'll go ahead and break down the entire 12.
0: Should we do uh, just top five, or should we go reverse order, counting down?
1: I love the way you think. Let's do reverse order and just pass it back and forth. Why not? I think that's the best way to do it. I'm
0: down. And, uh, and really, we could just do our first seven, so that way it leads us with counting down our top 5.
1: So go go 12 to 6 all at once and then we'll we'll pass we'll pass it back and forth on the top 5. That
0: sounds good. So with <laughs> uh my number 12, this is my curveball that we were kind of talking a little bit about before the show started. Um I'm going to go with a Big Ten team just because I really honestly wasn't happy after I finished this exercise, like with my notes, how many Big Ten teams I had in the top 12. So I'm going Big Ten here, and uh, I'm going to show love to our guys that really didn't show much love on their way out the door, and I'm going to put Iowa in at number 12. I think they're going to surprise some people this year. I like the addition of Cade. I like the addition of all. uh, Feelings aside, you know what I mean? I hold a little bit of eh towards the way that they kind of handled things um, on their way out. But, you know, I think that that Iowa team is going to make some noise this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that Brian Ferentz, you know, I know he's been outspoken. Like, we're not changing anything, but... I think there's a little bit of smoke to that. You know, they can't have the season that they had last year and not make any adjustments. They can't bring in guys like Cade and all and not make no adjustments. So I think uh, that Iowa is going to change some things up and they're going to be a little bit dangerous. So I've got them at number 12. Um, Number 11. You know, it it hurts me to say this one, but I've got... uh, Bazooka Joe, Joe Milton over there in Tennessee uh, at number 11. I know that they lose a lot from last year uh, and they, they don't return like anything spectacular defensively, but uh, I like the way that, that Joe Milton has improved a little bit. It'll be curious. I'll be curious to see what he does with like some real relevant playing time, like in some, extra challenging situations. I'll be interested to see how that goes, but I've got Tennessee at number 11. Number 10, I'm going uh, Michael Penix Jr., Washington. I think that uh, that they returned a pretty good team last year, a lot of solid components. So I've got them at number 10. Number nine, I'm going to go, uh, my Florida family will kill me on this one but I'm going with Florida State at number nine. I think Jordan Travis is an absolute stud. I know that they're kind of like um, the attractive pick for uh, for teams that can kind of sneak in there and, and make some possible contending uh, noises for the college football playoffs. So I've got Florida State in there at number nine. Uh, eight, I'm going Texas, right? I think that uh, that they've got uh I've seen them projected anywhere between like top 17 top 18 to top 10 you know what I mean so I think that there's a few different ways that you can go with how you're projecting them they've got a few question marks but I do think that uh Quinn Ewers puts a little bit of a strang- stranglehold on uh on that on that position his, this year and uh and that they're going to make some noise so Texas at eight, number seven, I'm going Caleb Williams, USC. Uh, I think that Lincoln Riley's made some good additions in the transfer portal. I don't know if they're in a position to where they can take that conference. We'll see. But uh, I like USC at number seven. And then at number six, I'm going with the Crimson Tide, Alabama. They're another team that's got a lot of question marks this year. It'll be interesting to see if uh, they've got a great quarterback competition going. So I think that there'll be a stud that develops at that position for them. So we'll see how, uh, how it goes for Alabama. But that's kind of where I see uh, number six through, through
1: 12. So I'm using some deductive reasoning here. Um, it sounds like you might have three Big Ten teams in the top five five is that right did i did i hear that correctly uh anyway so and i like that i like that and the other thing that i like is um bama outside of the top five and i didn't hear you say clemson did you you, you didn't throw clemson in there did you so I've i like snubbed
0: clemson i think you can uh deduce that i've snubbed clemson from my uh top 12
1: well i love that so let me, I'm going to, I'll march down 12 through five or through six. Um, let me lead by saying I have Iowa at 14. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Iowa is, is a team to watch out for. Um, and let me just go ahead and say publicly, I, I reserve the right to change all of these opinions. It's very early. I, I have not had time to study these teams, rosters, uh, you know, drastically or anything, but I've got a pretty good feel. So number 12 is one of my curve balls. Um, I I had to throw a big 12 team in my top 12. I evaluated Texas. I took a look at TCU and Kansas State. Um, And then I came to this team that was just embarrassed last year. First year coach, Brent Venables and the Oklahoma Sooners. I actually believe that they have a bounce back season. I think Brett Venables is one of the reasons, one of the key reasons Clemson was so good for so many years. Uh, I, I looked at some of the talent on that Oklahoma roster. They had a really good freshman recruiting class come in. Uh, they had a really good uh, transfer portal class. I think that Oklahoma bounces back and potentially wins, wins the, the Big 12 in a down year. I'm not sold on Texas. I think that Texas uh should be good. I agree like speculatively, Texas should be really good. Um I'm just not going to believe it until I see it. So, number 12 is Oklahoma. Number 11, I've got Notre Dame. Uh just kind Notre Dame just always seems to be right around 10 or 11, right? Like that just that. Seems, that just I just feel like they belong there. They're going to lose two or three games. Um Notre Dame, number 11, uh Sam Hartman quarterback there. Uh, and number 10, I have my first of three Pac-12 teams in the top 10, uh, Utah. I like Cam Rising and Utah. They show a lot of grit. Uh, Utah, they like to get some of those big boys in the trenches. They're always a little better than people think. Um, Utah is is number 10. Number nine is Florida State. So you and I see eye to eye there. I believe Florida State uh, wins the ACC. Uh with the, which that's kind of a spoiler that I also do not have Clemson in my top twelve. Uh, fuck Clemson, I'm done with them. They're dead to me. I don't even care. I don't care if they win another game in their history. That's how I feel about all these teams that have been winning. Ten years is <laughs> so over. Much. It's the Clemson yeah. reign
0: is over. I think Michigan over. is going to is going to supplant that spot.
1: It feels like it. Um, number eight, I've got LSU. And this was a team that I was like, oh, are they even good enough to be up there? And then I toyed around with putting them in the top five. But with the SEC, it's so hard because you got to think um, any team that you put that high, are they going to beat out Georgia and Bama? And then you look at the, the plethora of five stars on these Georgia and Bama teams, and it, it gets really hard to predict a team above them. Um, so I've got LSU at number eight. I've got our, our fighting James Franklins at number seven, uh, putting together a valiant two-loss season once again. They're going to just take care of the, the the schedule, take care of the you know, the every team on their schedule except for Michigan and Ohio State, uh, predictably so. And I think that'll land them right around number seven. And number six is the team that I almost put at number three. But I slid them down to number six at the last minute. This is the team that I'm riding with this year. On their coaching staff, they have a former Michigan quarterback, Nick Sheridan. And of course, I'm talking about the Washington Huskies. So the Washington Huskies, Michael Penix Jr., I saw them play in person at the Alamo Bowl. These guys are good. These guys are good. Um... So, you know, I, I wanted to put them up there at number three behind my top two teams, but then I looked at the the talent on some of these other rosters and realized that would be irresponsible of me. So let me lead right into my number five team. At number five, I've got the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, the reason I'm not putting them at one, two, or three is because they lost Bryce Bryce Young. You know, I think we take for granted what, uh, a high quality NFL caliber quarterback brings to your team. And we we think, Oh, it's Nick, it's Nick Saban. He's just going to retool, but you don't really know. You don't know what the chemistry is going to be like. You don't know what the team is going to be like. So to me, uh, they're right there firmly at number five. Let me, pa- let me pass it to you. Who's your number five team? So
0: I love the, uh, the number fives that we've selected. I'm sure that like, there will be plenty of haters, but, uh, let me just say, at number five, I have the Ohio State Buckeyes, and I know that uh, that a lot of people will say, like, oh, you're getting a little carried away, yada, 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 but I'm not so sure, right, because Ohio State, they lose a lot, you know what I mean? They return a very good uh, receiving court, as they typically do, but, you know... Based off of what I saw in the spring game with uh, with what they've got in, in Kyle McCord, I don't really know too much about, about any of their other guys. But, you know, I really I have to see this team have that same ability to take the top off of, off of a defense like Ohio State teams of years past. You know what I mean? I haven't really seen that in the spring game. I don't know. It's obviously the spring game. But uh, I didn't really see that in the spring game, 50% completion percentage from, from a guy that's supposed to be contending for their starting quarterback position. They've got questions along the offensive line. I don't know. I'm not sold on them. So as of now, I've got them at number five.
1: I love that, man. And I, you know I, I, that'll lead right into my number four team. And my number four team is Ohio State. And my reasoning there is, I, you know, I wanted to put them, I really toyed with putting them as low as 6, 7, or 8. Um, the reason I couldn't do that is because they realistically have the two best receivers in college football. It's like every year they have the best receivers in college football. And so for a team that has that I, and, and as much talent as they have on their roster, I mean, they are, they're up there uh, top three talent-wise. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to put Ohio state snugly in the, the number four position. Um, yeah, and no, there's nothing else I really can say about them. It's, and it, it really is because they lost their quarterback and, and, uh, may, you know, maybe they'll get tougher, uh, without Stroud because he was, uh, you know, kind of a softy, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Who did you have at number three? Or four, sorry.
0: At number four. four, I'm taking a little bit of a disgusting swing with this one. It kind of makes me sick to think about a little bit. Ugh. But uh, I have uh, the fighting Brian Kellys at number four. I hate that guy. Um, it's really, honestly, like if I'm being honest, I, I firmly one thing about me is I firmly believe that the two best conferences in college football are uh, the Big Ten and the SEC, you know what I mean? So really, like, with this, with this, I'm kind of just taking a swing that I believe that LSU will contend for being probably, like, the second-best team in the SEC this year. Um, they filled a lot of needs in the transfer portal. Their quarterback is coming back. They, uh, they had some sexy wins last year, you know what I mean? So I think that... Uh, with that momentum, hopefully that that'll be enough to kind of uh, remove Alabama from the throne of competing for like the two best SEC teams a little bit. But I think that we see LSU take a little bit of a step this year and uh, and maybe take that number four spot. In my mind, that's where they're at right now.
1: Okay, I could see that. Like like I said, I toyed with putting them a little bit higher. Moving on to number three, uh, this was where I almost put Washington. So I believe that the Pac-12 is an underrated conference as it stands coming into this year. You've got a team like Oregon who is uh, returning Bo Nix and is likely going to be very good. Oregon State is likely going to be very good. Um, UCLA even could be a very good team. And none of those teams made my top 12. So at number three, I I basically chose to respect the sanctity of the Heisman Trophy and said, if you've got a returning Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, uh, you deserve to be in the top three. So I went ahead and put um, the Lincoln Riley's USC Trojans at number three.
0: Hell yeah, I respect it. You know, I think that uh that, that team will make a lot of noise this year. Um obviously they were pretty atrocious defensively, but I know that they brought in a couple solid playmakers, Lincoln Riley did this offseason, um at key positions, I think like cornerback and defensive tackle or something. I could be way off, but he brought in a couple guys that, that strung together a good some good stat lines last year, so that's not a bad pick at all. For my, where am I at, number three? For my number yep. three pick, I have um, Penn State. Yes, Penn State. And uh, that one also makes me somewhat nauseous to to pick. Uh, but I really think that they return a very good team. Um, Nick Singleton, absolute beast. I think Drew Aller. I know that there's some... A, Few question marks surrounding him, but he's a five-star kid. Um, I think that he will get it together a little bit under that that system that James Franklin runs, and I think that Penn State going to make some noise and might even dethrone Ohio State this year as uh, the second best team in the Big Ten.
1: I was gonna say Ohio State doesn't have a throne anymore, buddy. There's no throne. Michigan's no, the, on the, the, throne. Two,
0: the two place ribbon the, throne.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who is the guy that sits like next to the king but like lower? <laughs> right. That that spot. That little the wooden chair that's like that two step shadowy the corner
0: room. over there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, okay. I like it. I'll take it. You know, I, I I haven't heard you say anything that wild yet. You know, I, you made a couple of decisions that were different from me. But uh, like Penn State, LSU, uh, Texas instead of Oklahoma, kind of as being the Big 12 team. I can get down with all that. As a matter of fact, I highly considered all three of those choices. For me, number two is pretty obvious. The top two are pretty obvious. Um, As much as I am a hardcore, uh, bleeding, maize-and-blue Michigan fan, It would be disrespectful to the sport of college football to rank Michigan number one. Uh, Georgia, back-to-back champions, returning a ton of talent. Uh, That's the team that truly is sitting on the throne of college football. And so I'm going to go ahead and reveal my top two. It's obvious at this point. I've got Michigan firmly at number two uh, with a big gap between two and three. Michigan firmly in the number two spot. And then the defending national champions, Georgia at number one. Um, you know, I'm assuming that's what you have, but maybe not. Maybe you, maybe you did the uh, did the unthinkable here. So let me give you a chance to share your top two.
0: Uh I'd love to pull out my best uh, Drake Alicia Keys unthinkable uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, act for you, but it's not going to be today, man. I have a similar outlook and i'm sorry to like end the podcast on such a georgia's the best co- team in college football note but like i mean uh michigan i have them also firmly in the number 2 spot i think that there's no better second team in the country going into the season right now than michigan but uh as you know i attended the uh the national championship last year And I know that they lose a lot, but that that domination that I witnessed of TCU and the way that that football program runs and uh, just their ability to just just any player on that team's ability to just embarrass whoever they're up against. Like, I just don't I, I there has to be a team that proves that they're better than them and they have some flaws. You know, they're not perfect they they uh can lose a game just like any other team probably but it was just a dominant victory that i witnessed of TCU and hopefully hopefully what they lost uh in this past off season is uh is enough for michigan to also take that step forward and uh and contend with them but until i see otherwise we've got uh michigan firmly at 2
1: Georgia firmly at uh, number one for the time. So that's the preseason rankings. But let me ask you this. If you were going to pick your college football playoff teams next year, does that, is that the same as your top four in the preseason or not? Because for me, it's actually a little bit different. So let me put you on the spot. Uh, who are your, your way too early predictions for your college football playoff teams? Ugh. You know, I, uh,
0: it would probably be more of the same. You know, I would, I would trade out possibly LSU for Bama just because I think Bama also has a, I still think Bama has a, a firm potential to, to contend. I think that no matter where they go at the quarterback position, they're going to have another stud. Uh, they've just got too good of a battle going on there. I think that uh, with the question marks with them, there's more of a chance that they end up great than not. But I would go either Alabama, LSU, or probably even USC or Washington as like my dark horse candidates. I really hate on the Pac-12 a lot. Hate on them a lot. But I think if... Uh, they are to sneak in this year that uh, it'll be either Washington or, uh, or USC.
1: Yeah, we see eye to eye there. So I, I'm going to say the number one seed is a, an undefeated Big Ten champion, Michigan. So I've got Michigan, even though I've got Georgia ranked number one preseason because they deserve to be, I'm taking Michigan as the one seed in the playoffs. And then as the two seed, I've got a one loss Georgia team. They're, I think they're going to drop a game to somebody, SEC championship, maybe, maybe uh, LSU, Bama, Tennessee. I, I haven't really looked at their schedule, but I think they're going to be a one-loss team. Um, and the number three spot, I, I'm going to put the Washington Huskies. I, I I believe that there will be a team out of the Pac-12 this season. What uh, that that makes the playoff, um, and I just feel strongly that Washington will be that team. But it could be USC. Like that's why I've got USC ranked third right now, returning Heisman Trophy winner. Um, but whoever basically gets through that Pac-12 gauntlet, I've got as the three seed. And then as the fourth team, I I, I don't think it's going to be Ohio State. I think Ohio State will be a one-loss team, get obliterated by Michigan again, and the committee is going to say no, thank you, we're not doing it again. Uh, we saw you know last year we tried that. We're not doing it again. And and what they're going to do is do what they always do start sniffing around for a, another SEC team. And I think that's going to be LSU. So I've got uh, Michigan, Georgia, Washington, which is my curveball, LSU as my, um, as my college football playoff teams. A couple of teams that we didn't mention, um, you mentioned Tennessee, but Tennessee was not in my top 12. Iowa, uh, we, we talked about, was snuck into your top 12. Clemson, we both said no. You know, I, I got them in that 15 to 20 range, just kind of pretty good, but not good enough. Uh, Texas, we talked about. Ole Miss. Ole Miss is one of those teams that it's like, eh, could, could they put it together? Lane Kiffin, you know, they could be an SEC team that sneaks up into that top 10.
0: I'll tell you who I had that you mentioned was uh, Utah. I think Utah... Obviously uh back to back Pac-Twelve champs. Um, I think Utah possibly. Um the problem I have with the Pac 12 man is like they're just like built to cannibalize each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. High scoring offenses, shit defense on most of their part. So most teams at by the end of the season, like even the best team has lost a couple games. So for them, like, even if there's a good team that's, like, deserving of a playoff spot, they're always going to get shafted in this playoff environment just because, uh, I mean, obviously they have their luck cut out for them in the years following that, but uh, I just don't think they're built for this four-team playoff stuff, so good things on the horizon for them with that. But uh, yeah, Utah uh, was another one. Tennessee is kind of a sleeper for me, uh, throwing them in there, and also Texas was kind of a eh. But I think if Texas can turn some of those close losses that they experienced around last year, they're t- on a totally different side of the fence. So hopefully with Quinn Ewers, him, uh, him being a little bit older in the system and having a little bit more time pays dividends. But uh I don't know. I took a couple swings on mine, so we'll see how it plays out. But I like your your top 4 with uh Washington. I think Washington uh might be like the lowest risk Pac-12 team to bet on to make it uh make it into the college football playoff.
1: It's just hard. I agree with you with the the Pac-12 cannibalizing each other. Washington to me seems like the choice because I think USC is going to blow it on defense in typical Lincoln Riley fashion. But yeah, you got, you got a lot of other teams. Like I would not be surprised if this is the year for Utah. Uh, but somebody says that every year and then it's never the year for Utah. So I, you know, I, I don't really know, but, um, all right, let's, let's wrap up the show. We've got some cool stuff coming in the weeks to come. We've actually talked to a couple different, uh, of the favorite Michigan podcasts out there about some crossover episodes. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, uh, leave that as a little bit of a cliffhanger for our listeners. We, we might be doing some crossover episodes guys, uh, with some of some of your other favorite podcasts. So stay tuned for that. Matt, where can people find you?
0: They can find me on my primary Twitter handle at Maze Crusader or uh, any of the great content that me and my guys are putting out at Maze and Brew, which is at Maze and Brew. Uh, you can also go to uh, their website, mazenbrew.com to look at any of the news or articles that are getting put out on a uh, daily basis.
1: Man, I'm in, I'm in this text thread with a couple of my buddies and they just texted me this video of Ja Morant waving a gun around again, and uh, apparently the Grizzlies just suspended him indefinitely. So th- <laughs> this dipshit just, uh, he, this was already a thing. He already got suspended for like waving a gun on social media, and he literally just did something similar. So I don't know, more to be revealed there. Uh breaking news. You you heard it here first. Um, John Morant is an idiot. We uh, are on right, Jaw Watch. <laughs> all right. You guys can find me uh, at Wolverine Cron on Twitter. Go to Wolverine Chronicle.com or YouTube.com slash Wolverine Chronicle. Um, follow me on all, all platforms and uh do yourself a favor if you're listening to the show and you got this far. Smash the subscribe button on wherever you're listening to your podcasts. That way you get updated for future episodes. Uh, That's it for this week. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Matt, have a good week, my friend. And as always, go blue.
0: Go blue.